2: welcome to another exciting adventure of a get more speaking success today we're talking about the future of events so we've, we've got a few people joining us and uh looking forward to getting people on the line so if you'd like to jump in a seat it's going to make it so much more exciting with people to speak to done a little this is one of the few i've actually done a little bit of research on to uh find out some of the information i've actually in recent times, spoken to a couple of gurus in the industry. So there is some interesting information to share with you all. So uh, I noticed the lovely Sally has subscribed. I believe she may well be online. Sally, if you want to jump in a seat, it would be lovely to chat with you uh, to um, just share the future of events. Now, the events industry has been going for some time. Oh, I've got someone coming in. Uh, and there's been a whole lot of exciting things. Oh, the lovely Shane. Come on in, Shane. Uh, it will be good to have you on the call. A couple more people coming online as well. Please put your hand up and join in. Uh, love to have you on the call. Shane, I'm not seeing any images of you. Uh, May will be you don't have a camera. Can't even hear anything. And you're no longer there. That's okay. All right, Uh, Taryn and uh, uh, Sally are on the line. If you'd like to grab a seat, I would be pleased to have you sitting in a seat. So the events industry has been around forever. Think about it. In the olden days, it was standing and around in front of a group of people just standing on your soapbox, as it were, in maybe in the late 1500s, earlier in the, the time of the Nazarene, and be standing around addressing the crowds for earlier than that, a group of maybe Neanderthal people just talking around as where's the next place to go hunting. So what is the future of events? That's the past. What's the future? The lovely Taryn Dean has joined me. Hello, Taryn.
0: Good morning, everyone. Hi, Warwick. It's always a pleasure to uh, join you early in the morning. Not so oh,
2: early. Oh, it's, it's not that early. It's 9 o'clock. Well, oh, 9 oh, o'clock oh, our time. Oh, so.
0: For many of our Queensland professional speakers, we didn't get in until about 11 o'clock last night after a great session with Louise Marler. So...
2: I oh, fantastic.
0: Good. It's nice
2: good. nice and early. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so today I want to talk about the the future of events. And so if uh, anyone else wants to jump in a seat, let's have a chat. So... Um, One of the things, Taryn, what are some of the things about events that you've seen that annoy you? What are are some of the events? Let's sort of look at, not the negative, but events have evolved. It used to be head on stick. I will tell you what's going on, blah, 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 blah. To me, that doesn't seem to work anymore. What about you? What are some of the things around the speaking industry or the events industry that annoy you?
0: Okay, uh, two different perspectives, one as an audience member and then the other one as a speaker on stage. So perhaps if I I start from the speaking angle first because it's been a a growth curve for me in the last seven years and uh, not so much a bugbear but a real, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd thought to ask this question and you might think it's nothing but I've got to tell you icebreakers can make a huge difference. So I was all uh, mentally prepared to come on after tea break following uh, Craig James from ComSec. I'd been told the audience was incredibly conservative, I was all geared up, I was really sort of in the zone, a little bit serious you know thinking there was huge gravitas in the room and as I'm waiting in the wings Catwoman comes on stayed clad in leather everything in leather and she had them up and she was had them all being interactive now it wasn't a bugbear so much as I wish I'd known what the icebreakers were from the events industry perspective is be sure to fill the speaker in on everything that you've got planned so there's no surprises so that the speaker can weave things in really easily and also that she he or she knows how then uh in advance, that they can draw the crowd back into the focus of the message point. So it's really about helping your speaker be prepared so that the message gets embedded the whole way yeah. through. And for me as a speaker, ask.
2: <laughs> so Sally. Oh, Lewis, welcome to the call. What What are some Hi, of your bugbears, Sally? What are some of the things about the events industry that you find annoying?
1: Um, I only caught the the back end of what Taryn was saying, but I think it's the 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 surprises that come up and that you're not kept informed about and, and it's not about it's not about being the diva why wasn't I told but it's but if you tell me then I can help you yep. and I think um, but you know obviously from walking a mile in their shoes they don't often think to ask to tell you because they're trying to put out a fire somewhere so <laughs> it's, it's a little bit like um, you know, is everything going, you know, as a speaker, like you said, Taryn, ask, and asking the question, is everything going to plan, is there any flexibility you need in whatever I'm doing or any help I can give you? Um, so maybe it's a case of, you know, the events industry or, or people who work in strictly in the events side of things saying, do keep your speaker informed, but also speakers ask, like Taryn said,
2: just ask. What, what about from an event point of view as a participant rather than a delegate, what have you seen that maybe it used to be okay, but now not so much. And, and as an example, um the whole what I call head on a stick or other people call chalk and talk where there's one person at the front of the room and they're just like, listen to me, blah, 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 slide, 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 read, 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 read. And it's just, yeah, no, it like it's not effective. And in fact, there's a stack of research and I've got some links to some of the research that I'll share. There's a stack of research showing that um, it's, in fact, incredibly ineffective. And one of the physics professors from the University of not nah, lost it. Yeah, it was like Yale or Harvard. It was Harvard basically said it is um, unethical to actually present in that mode, knowing the research on how ineffective it is, hmm. which is very big call, I thought. Um, so. From a, from a delegate's point of view, what are some of the things you've seen in events that just don't work?
0: Um, from my perspective, and, and I, Sally's aware of this uh, from last night's event at PSA, one of my uh, points of tension as an audience member is when it comes to Q&A time. So if a speaker has built in Q&A time within their presentation and they've had the audience engaged, it's then when an unskilled MC comes up or a PCO, then um, sort of breaks the impact of the end of a message and then says to the audience, does anyone have any questions for our speaker? Are there any questions? And there's that deathly silence. As an audience member, I sit there and I I feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, be really attuned to what's happening on the stage if you're an event organiser so that your audience are completely comfortable and you are connected to the audience as the as the event organiser. And we run a number of events every week for not-for-profits um, in my part of the world. And so we do everything that we can to try and read the audience and sit in the audience as well and get a feel for the atmosphere that we're creating. And... Um, I think creating that sense of expectation has become the new norm. So it's noticeable as an audience member if I walk into a venue and there's dead silence, yeah. Yep. Um, no atmosphere, there's no one greeting me on the door. Yeah. Yep. Um, I'm mindful of that. And I understand that resources are finite, but I find that...
2: Just a little a little thing that
0: adds to value. Yep. What about you, Sally? Yeah, I think being able
2: to. Have- Sally's thinking about this and we're going out with other stuff, if someone else would like to join us in the fourth chair, please stick your hand up. We'd happily have you on the call. Yeah. Sally you were saying uh,
1: yeah i uh, in um singapore recently Shauna stuck said you know there's the old school speaker and i think um you know you could you could hear a couple of the um tribal elders gasp a little bit because i think she just called it out and and like you said you know they stand in one spot they regurgitate something And um, you can almost see the words just rain on people as opposed to the words being really embedded and and insights happening. And I think that when it comes to events, you know, all the technological whiz-bang that goes on that we can build in and excite the audience, if it still doesn't leave them with the message and if it still doesn't turn the light bulb on, then has has there been value? That's the yeah. question. And, of course, that comes down to the theme of the event. Um, I don't work in the tech space, uh, so maybe the whole theme of the event is what is new in technology, and maybe that is the light bulb going on moment when you're showing off all new whiz-bang things. But if you're if you're in different industries and, and you want to introduce some technology or introduce a new way of doing something, always be mindful of the lesson or the message you want your audience to take away with. You know, I recently did... um. Jane Anderson's presentation skills program and I really loved the way that she forced everyone in the room to come back to what is your message what is your message what is your message and I think that that can get lost really quickly and I think you know PCOs event organizers and MCs you know they're in a, a, a fantastic t- position that when they're getting themselves ready to to put this event together, we can actually come back to the speaker and say, if your message was in three words, what would it be? Help me to help you, you know, because it either either as I introduce you or as I, you know, segue or, you know, if, if speakers, um, if audience members are going up to event staff, you know, maybe that little bit of insight will help smooth that transition.
2: Um, yeah yeah it's interesting um my wife and i were casually watching uh an old western with john wayne called the seekers which if you go at imdb it's raved about how good it is and how fabulous it is and how wonderful it was and we were watching it and commenting on how slow it was and how the story was drawn out and if you look at some of the old classics like the original ben hur was four hours long and there was this whole drawn out story you look at movies today and it's like every three seconds, new camera angle, new camera angle, new camera angle. New, the kids today, here am I, the old fast. The children today. Those young whippersnappers. But it's like with, they multitask, they're doing this stuff while they're on an app, while they're talking to their friends, and and, and this, is, this is our audience. Um, and so it has to be how do we engage them. Great point that, that Taryn raised about Q&A, and from a professional MC's point of view, I hate q and I loathe it. I detest it. And the reason for it is it's about managing the energy in the room, which is, again, what Tim was saying yeah. is about the greeting. It is about the, the longevity and memorability of the event. You want it to be able to turn up and there's the, hey, you're here. There's music in the background that's relevant to your event. You walk into yeah. a room that feels warm and welcoming. It's not a stark. We've just got a podium and that's it. There's some kind of visual, typically a bit of movement. And then you've got the energy of the speakers, And so sometimes you've got a rah-rah speaker, which is great. But then if the next person's a stereotypical accountant um, who's talking about regulatory controls, you've got to somehow segue that. And if you've got someone like, for example, you talked about Louise Mahler, who is a very high energy speaker and and a great speaker. So she's built the energy and she's built a finale. And then if people go, any questions, the energy just plummets. And it just severely impacts what she's trying to do. So here's what I would recommend. And because a lot of event organizers want Q&A because we've got the expert here. We've paid them thousands of dollars or they've taken time out of their day. So I would put the Q&A in the middle of your presentation. So have a presentation. If it's 45 minutes, go for half an hour. Do a bit of Q&A, but limit it, strictly limit it and then have the 7 minutes ending which is your power punch end so you're finishing on a high it's better for the speaker it's better for the audience it's better for the next thing it could be afternoon tea it could be the next speaker it could be a breakout session but you again it's around that energy management and
0: yeah.
1: I was going to Sorry, say, with that piece, it's, it's not that hard to do because you could say, as a speaker, all you need to do is say, Look, before we just close this up, are there any questions? Correct. And so you have that piece and then you have your, your closing
2: bang. Yeah, yeah. C- correct. And as Tar- Taryn was saying, it's, like, it's also important that whoever your moderator or MC or facilitator is, it's worth being very selective and getting a good one um, because a lot of people think that the moderator or facilitator role is, oh, anyone can do that, you know, you can do this but it's actually a very different skill set to a speaker or to just because someone has a sales manager position, it's a different role. So it is about making sure that you've got someone who has that kind of skill set for it.
0: Absolutely. And um, Warwick and Sally, from your perspectives, is it a question of confidence on the speaker's part Um as to how comfortable they feel in their authority to liaise with a PCO or even the moderator to say there won't be Q&A at the end of my session, I'm going to weave it in, so that you're actually conducting your piece rather than leaving it at the end for that person to come in and then unwittingly undermine you. Because we could ask questions throughout, but someone could still fall back into... um, what was it last night, uh, Sally? Like a hidden, a hidden habit or a hidden track? Ritual behaviours. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's just by default they slip back into. Wasn't that great? Any questions? <laughs> and I think so, definitely. I think so, as, uh, the authority,
2: my authority... Sorry, Mark, go, no, go, Sally.
0: I was
1: going to say I totally agree, and I think that you know if it's the confidence or the the authority of the speaker in themselves to be able to say that to a PCO, well get over yourself and tell the PCO or tell the MC this is what I do um, because I want to end on a high ready for the next speaker or ready for you to come on to introduce the next speaker. You know, if an MC is worth their salt,
2: Warwick,
1: you know, if an MC is worth their salt, they'll appreciate that and and you can have that conversation. And,
2: And, again, it's positioning. If you go to the PCO and say I want this section to be awesome and here's what I think is going to be in the best interest of the audience. And if, a, if you say it like that, they'll go, you're right, that's great. And just, again, it's that communication on, I don't want to bring the energy down with a and a session, particularly because so many times at a and a session, no one has any questions. Um, or well, if they do, they don't have a question, they have a statement, particularly men will use it as an opportunity to go, oh, it's Warwick Mary here, and I've had a situation like that, and I blah, 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 blah. And you just like, and I've seen it handled very well and sometimes not quite so well, where someone will say, is there a question anytime soon? Or, you know, so it's it's about how do we manage that? So if you go to an organizer and say, here's what I wanna do, a big chunk of content uh, uh, with taking questions throughout, a break for Q and A for three minutes, which I'm happy to time, and then a big rah-rah ending, I'm sure the organizer would say, that sounds fantastic. So again, it's about you being the professional, owning the slot and sharing that message always with the intent of how can I make this experience the best possible experience for the delegate? How do I make it so that not only is this session good, but they'll be so excited, they can't wait to come back next year. I think that is so important, particularly for us as speakers, because a lot of speakers, and I know there's a couple of non-speakers listening in, Speakers sometimes get the reputation of one of their number one skill sets is being able to get from the venue to the airport in the quickest possible time at the end of their session. Now, that's other speakers, not us on this call, because we know about growth and learning, etc. But But so it is about how do we make the event so good in a, in a sustainable manner? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah,
0: I... um,
2: Taryn? Yeah. Uh,
0: a couple of thoughts that just popped into my mind. Uh, around setting up for the next speaker. So one of the tactics that I've used um, since maybe 2013 was if I get a copy of the agenda and I've um, exchanged all the relationship agreements with the PCO, I'll ask who else is presenting and I make it my business to go and search for them. If I don't know them, I'll go and connect with them on LinkedIn and then I'll set about creating rapport with the other speakers so I can look at how I can add value and set them up if they're following me in a program. Yeah. So knowing that expectancy and honouring the theme of any different event. And another part, um, and I know all three of us, good morning, I know all three of us are very particular about building relationship with the AV team. Mm. And That's vital for instances such as the Catwoman example that I mentioned. So a sponsor at this government association event that I spoke at um, was, say, a plumbing company, and they were sponsoring Catwoman's uh, icebreaker before I went online, I went on stage. And, oh, my gosh, the MC is doing the intro and the plumbing slides are still up on the screen behind me and there's the sound of my motorbike which I use for entry in some instances but there's no slide and so they, it was just sort of okay this is what i have to deal with i'm really glo- glad that i knew paul in the av team and it was a um, was that crown cuz uh crown casino down in hobart is uh
2: no it? it's um i know it's not crown but it is a casino
0: yeah, one point, of Rest the point cas- casino, casino. You know, and the AV team were just fabulous because as I walked up to the lectern, I just went, Paul, if you wouldn't mind just switching that over to my side." <laughs> again, set up for the next speaker but also make sure um, like today's speakers are ensuring the success of events through connecting with other speakers mm. ahead of program and also with the AV team morning of or day before even if you're in town early.
2: Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, recently I had a conversation with a chap whose name I forget, hang on, it's here, Uh, Dr. Jim, uh, who comes out of the University of Northern Colorado. He has done an immense amount of research, um, which you can check out at dchurched.net, on why people are leaving uh, religious organisations and how do they maintain a congregation. And in a presentation I saw recently, he was able to do a, uh, uh, a, an analysis and then apply that to both associations and events. And he was saying that half the reason that people because people leave the church, but not their religion in the same way that a lot of people with events, they like the association, but it's just like, you know, is it a bit too hard? And the three key things that he said that the dunners, these are people who go, I'm done with this, I'm gone, I'm done. So the Dunners, he said the three things that they want was they wanted to be active, not passive. So they wanted yeah. to have some kind of role in what's going on, some kind of activity versus sit there, we'll do it to you. He also said that they wanted conversation, uh, not just, you know, being spoken to. So not just a doctrine of like, this is how it is. Yeah. Don't just tell me the research or tell me your findings Put something together so that there is a way for me to have a conversation about it. Does that actually sit well with me? Does that have anecdotal evidence to back it up? And the third one was is they wanted some level of uh, a community rather than some kind of uh, judgment or, or cliques or whatever. So it, it would it would seem to me that as presenters or in the events industry we really need to look at how are we putting in the activity? How are we putting yeah. in the the conversation or the ability to have a conversation? This day and age, if you look at some of the really truly great presenters, it, it again, it's not them speaking at you, it's them engaging with you. Um Glenn Capelli, who has won of the Year, Educator of the Year, and all this sort of kind of thing with Professional Speakers Australia, has said that every seven minutes There needs to be some kind of change or shift or interaction. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to um, physically do something, um, but it can be as simple as they're having a laugh or they're um, doing something different or engaging with, with others. I think a lot of people get sick of the, oh, turn to the person next to you and tell them what you think. So from your point of view, what do you think are some key ways that we can engage our audiences?
0: we saw an example last night in a small group situation that also included um, audience participation so I know Lisa McGith is really well she'll bring up about six different audience members onto the platform and I've seen Lisa present at different events and she's uh, another brilliant talent within the professional speaking community and when someone from the audience is extracted the opportunity to be on stage um, For many of us, we associate with them. So it's almost as if we're on stage with them. So it's vicariously we're participating in the actual presentation, which is one feature that's really good. Um, I was also at an event last week and I went along to an Australian Institute of Management open house uh, and a colleague of ours presented. He did a marvellous job just with the audience uh, responder clickers in the hands and survey results so there's multiple ways that we can get involved and I think it's truly about uh, creating light and shade and movement in a presentation whether it's you know, pauses um, in a way that compels people and to, to feel something is incredibly um, compelling and
2: and what are some of the things that you do? Like, how, how do you like? I, I know what Lisa does. So, what do you do to better engage the audience?
0: Uh, it depends on the format of the room and the size of the audience. But if it's a if it's less than a hundred people and there's no um, high podium, then I'll walk amongst the audience. If filming's not an issue, if there's camera or visibility, then I stay front of house. But I'll walk amongst the crowd. Um, I'll use touch in some instances. So if I want to emphasise a point, I'll engage, say Sally and I are in a room, I'll engage with Sally. It'll be holding that person's gaze just for that little bit longer and and ensuring that there's a sweep of the room. Um, If uh, in the example of Rest Point Casino, I spoke to a colleague of ours, Trav Bell, a couple of years ago when I presented in the lead up to presenting there, because it's uh, it's like a a theatre. It's like a theatre. And so you're standing here looking up at everyone. And that was a real test. How do I get engaged? So one of the stories that I share involved uh, riding a trail bike down a steep ravine and how it wasn't a question of trust. I trusted the person giving me the information, but it was about applying that and having my own experience. So I actually went up one of Dad's suggestions was to go actually up into the tiers and touch somebody on the shoulder in the audience as I explained that story and I had everyone look down the ravine with me. Yeah, yeah, cool. So different positioning. Sally,
2: what do you do to um, better engage your audience or to get them to do something every seven to ten minutes or whatever?
1: I think when it comes to small audiences, like less than 200 or something like that, and if it's related to... um, you know, the topics that I, I do and if it, if it relates to the product that I have, then I'll integrate the product into the presentation where they're actually touching, feeling and doing. Yes, there's a sales pitch to that. That's not really obvious. I get that. But, I, you know, the, the side benefit is people want to buy them at the end of it. But the reality is if they're sitting there and they're touching, feeling and doing, and that's the real size card, but I actually have also got big, oversized, ridiculously sized ones, you know, like the big-sized dice, you know,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. that
1: sort of stuff, um, depending on the size of the room. And so they're actually playing, doing and interacting and then feeding back. I'm with Taryn. If it's not a, if it's not a room where you're stuck on a stage, then it's down and in with the audience. Yeah. And um, getting them to, you know, even sometimes I've got them to get up and actually swap seats because I want them to, connect with the concept of uncomfortable and yeah. shift, things yeah. like that. So it just depends on the topic and I'm usually, I prefer to be in the audience and if it's filming that I kind of go, guys, I'm going to move. If um, I mm-hmm. yeah, you don't want me to stand, otherwise I will be all over this place and with the audience. Yeah. Um, that's where I find I'm in flow more. Yeah. And also it's about... Asking, you know, like Taryn said, when you're actually with the audience member, you know, what is what is it with you? You know, and you know that every single other audience member is there with that person that you're there with you. Yeah, You know, I think that really is a strong and underutilised opportunity.
2: Okay. So from, from an audience participation point of view or from um, the, uh, the future of events point of view, I think one of the key things is technology. Like technology has gripped our industry um, like most industries. Um, I don't know whether Australia is a little slower catching on, but there's many, many events I go to where hashtags and Twitter are not used very well, if at all. Um, Frequently as an MC, I'm the only one using it. Uh, So... But, but what, I, what I've what i seen happen is as part of our job, similar to politicians, and haven't we had enough of them of late, um, what our job is to create essentially tweetable moments. Like what's the yeah. – and, and, and in essence saying you might want to tweet this because, again, let's make it easy for the audience. And, again, some of them go, oh, right, yeah, okay, here I go. Um, I that. That's a good idea because, you know, you can't look at the audience now and go, oh, my God, they're bored, they're playing on their phones because half the time they're playing on their phones because – You've mentioned an organisation, and so they're going to check it out, or they're tweeting something that they really liked, or they're on Facebook going, "Here am me, Look, I'm taking a photo, a slice selfie at the you know." So we've become this kind of uh, uh, culture where to be involved, we use technology. Um, social media has become such an important part of our events nowadays, both in the pre-marketing, the post-marketing, the Um, just simply this blab I've been tweeting about the blab for the last three days and putting it on Facebook and LinkedIn just to sort of try and get people a bit a bit excited about it so it is about you know marketing to the audience um, but also marketing to the audience of the audience I don't know about you but Mm. sometimes I'm like wow, that's some great stuff. The people who follow me on social media will love that and I'll look good because I'm sending this information out to them in the same way that, as many people know, I was in the States at a conference previously and I'm sharing that and a lot of the outcomes of that because my clients then go, wow, you've invested in yourself, you've got better, so we now want you to take advantage of the fact that you've just spent thousands of dollars to go over there. So it does become this, how do we make the event not just about the people in the room but their customers? It's sort of like how do we make them look good? Mm. Um,
0: well, it's, Warwick, it's a live form of content curation when we're doing that. So a, a key, if if we're speaking on stage and we're using um Audio visuals and PowerPoint or Keynote, then throw slides in that say "click to click to tweet." Yeah. Take a photo of this. This is a tweet. This is a tweetable. Yeah. Um, Marie mm-hmm. Folio from the US, who came out of Ali Brown School, she does some great uh, anywhere between fifteen and thirty-minute uh, video blogs, and the transcripts and her even her editing on her videos. They'll have the little Twitter. Fly across the screen, and she'll have uh, the WordPress plugin in her blog that says "tweetable" to tweet. And one of the things that I would encourage anyone listening to do is jump on people's websites, look at their blogs, and use a tool called Built With. So I'm just looking at my browser. It's a dark green BW icon that sits in my uh, Chrome or Safari browser. Built With. And if I went on to Warwick's blog, I could have I could click on the BW link and it will show me what you're using in your website. So if you're using a tweet or something else, I can go, Ah, oh, what a great tool. I'm going to grab that. Yep. And so that's how um, I'm preparing offline for things that I want to deliver on the platform that can get shared online. Yeah, yeah, great. I'm always thinking of a investment beyond the individual performance presentation
2: yeah um uh, Sally what do you do to chunk your stuff because do you do more workshops or keynotes at the moment it'd be more workshops so do you look at creating tweetable moments during a workshop because it really is a different intent when you're doing a workshop versus a keynote like or because your focus would really be skills transfer yeah
1: in those environments yes and I and you know what You, you hit the nail on the head I don't think the audience that I have had are really into doing tweeting and Facebooking um, right then and there, if that makes sense. I think that there'd probably be opportunity, there's there's an engagement coming up actually where I think I might have a younger audience and not meaning to be disrespectful in that regard, but they're far more connected um, to social media in a lot of ways for in the moment stuff. And yeah. so I think that that's an interesting piece where I might play with it and see if I can build in even more tweetables um, as I go through the whole session with them and see what happens. Yeah, yeah and but-
2: especially if it's something that makes them look good. Yeah, again, it's all about how do I make my audience Absolutely. look good, and this has to this has to be the focus of not only us as speakers but event professionals. It's all about how do I make the delegates look good? How do I make the delegates the star of the show? Because this is what. Um, what they are after now is delegates are wanting to be part of it. They want to co-create. They no longer want this linear, I rock up the event and this is what I do. They want to be able to create their own mm-hmm. event with the things that they're, that they're doing. Uh, the Marriott and the PCMA, the Professional Conference Managers Association in the USA, did a whole lot of research and came out with five different trends that are, that are coming and they believe to be the future um, of industry Uh, and I have a graphic about it and so I'll try and get that graphic up there but basically basically the five things that they were talking about the first one is sensory analytics now by Mm -hmm. that what they're talking about is the internet of things nowadays with the number of Fitbits or apps on your iPhone or um, even the delegate name badges now, you can put little sensors in them. You can find out, is it too hot? Is it too cold? Are people going to the exhibitors? What are they doing? What are they not doing? So the, the, the PCO or the organiser can, on the fly, change the experience. Mm. Uh, it, it basically gives them the opportunity to know immediately what's working, what's not working. It, it, it's taking advantage of big data, so to speak.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, the second one that they came up with is tribalisation. Now, uh, a lot of us have heard and Seth Godin really came up with the whole concept of tribes. But people are now looking at coming to an event really about creating that kinship to create outcomes. Mm. And so it is who is my tribe? Where do they hang out? And this is a challenge nowadays because the future of employment has also shifted. The research is showing that by two thousand and twenty about forty percent of employees will be subcontractors or self employed and so therefore it becomes and, and they 'll end up doing multiple things like the three of us are authors consultants um, uh, speakers trainers uh, coaches you know uh, and i affectionately refer to it as the slashy you know a speaker slash coach slash order. so it becomes well what association do we do we become part of now i i 'm personally committed to Professional Speakers Australia, but it's like I could join uh, the Writers Association, I could join the Coaches Association, I could join the Facilitators Association. So all of a sudden it's no longer, I just do this one thing and this is my job and this is what I do. It's we are these slashies. And so we want to find our tribe and spend time with our tribe and grow our tribe, not one that we run a rule and I am the leader of the tribe, but it's the people that I hang out with that I get ideas from. And look, and to be completely frank and honest, that's what I've created these blabs for, to give our tribe an opportunity to get together. Um, The other thing they talked about is they want a content safari. So not just, as I said before, this, here's your linear, you do this, but here's a whole lot of stuff that's going on you get to create your own experience. And with the technology, that's very doable, even with smaller events. Um, one of the things that, that we've got planned for the Professional Speakers Association Convention in January is a free-form breakout session. So essentially, it's going to be a breakout session, but the people, the delegates will decide what it's going to be about. So it's like, you know, what do you want to know? Who do you want to hear from and create your own little breakout? Yes, we'll have some structured breakout, but we're going to have some free-form breakout to give people an opportunity. Now, there's a risk in doing this because what if it doesn't work? What if people don't turn up or what if it's only two people? But the risk is worth it because for someone, we are going to make their event. They'll just go, that was the best decision. And I don't know who it's going to be and I don't know how it's going to happen, but it's about having that freedom to do it. Um, So Content Safari... Uh, the other element they came up with was living 360. By that, it is moving beyond wellness to wholeness. So a lot of events nowadays will have the healthy eating element and the you know exercise first thing in the morning that the two people go to um, or or there'll be a gym or something. But it's moving now to wholeness where there's talking about um, not just your physical health but also some of the, the mental and emotional health issues and looking at, you know, in business and in life. And I think it is taking it from this is a business it, business event to this is a life event. And we need to make sure that with the use of technology, the com uh, getting rid of silos, uh, silos <laughs> and they got to do so much, it is about whole of life. And the, the final one is the immersive telepresence. Now, by that, it's, events are moving to a hybrid event where there's an online experience and an offline experience sometimes the timing is different so it may well be there's some online stuff going on beforehand there's the the offline at the event and some online after sometimes there'll be live streaming sometimes there'll be other things so we have to be able to engage entertain and transfer knowledge and transfer the experience both to an online and an offline um and So they've done a really good video about this. It's only about eight minutes long, so I'll share that link with people so that you can check out the video. So I know I've just waffled on as a diatribe there. And so what thoughts have that triggered with anyone? Sally, from you, what sort of um, ideas has that given you or what sort of future do you think that holds for our event industry?
1: I think it's going to be challenging for quite a lot of um, single-topic-type speakers, and, and at times it's it's a case of, stepping back from your own topic and and having a look and saying, well, here are five elements that you, the five elements you've just shared. And it wasn't a diatribe work. It was brilliant. Um, You know, it was, it's being able to say, well, how does my topic help a wholeness approach, you know, and making sense of it as well. And looking at, um, you know, you say in the moment, that sensory analytics that's happening and where people's name badges are, you know, able to gauge, in the moment, and so they can react in the moment to improve the experience. It would be two or three years ago now I went to an event and a guy there who owns a video production company, his name badge was a little video. Oh,
0: wow. And I'm
1: just like, I I don't mean to be staring at your chest and thank God you're a bloke, but it's like (laughs) that is impressive. And that was a couple of years ago now. So, you know, that sort of stuff is just amazing. There's a really
2: cool technology at the moment, particularly for expos, called Beacon Technology, where... Mm -hmm. Um, with your name badge, it actually has a GPS beacon in it and there's different beacons around the place. So they can track where you have been. They can track who likes. Yeah, and Sally's like, oh, no, they're yeah, spying on me.
1: Yeah, only to an extent, thank you.
2: If you look at it <laughs> from a, as an organiser, I now know who are the most popular stands, what's getting the most engagement, what are they doing well. I can then also go to the ones... That aren 't doing very well and go you 're not doing very well, we recommend that you do da, 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 da just to liven things up a bit so again it 's that that sensory analytics mm. of I can tell yeah. that we've had you know ten thousand people through the expo, and you know you 've only got four percent coming to you and they 've got seven percent mm. and the difference is. They've got a person out the front cracking jokes or they've got someone giving, you know, bad advice, whatever it is.
1: But there's a fine line with that. And I wonder if it's a case of when you have those analytics, if you want to be selling your booths again in the future, you know, your job is to actually say, This is what we recommend, not hold it over them. And I think there could be an opportunity there where, you know, you might not let certain companies pay for booth space because they didn't have the draw card and you kind of go, you know.
2: It becomes using, turning the information into knowledge and this Mm. is always the issue with big data. There's a lot of data there, but Mm. what does it mean? Um, And so it it. is about saying, look, and again, for the delegates, there'll be some who are like, I'm not letting you track me. So there has to be an opt-out or an opt-in kind of option for being tracked Mm. or tracking the experience. But it it is, uh, you know, anyone who is serious about exhibiting would go this is very powerful because i can get some valuable feedback on what, what what's working and what's not now again it's going to be if you're running an event that has uh, an expo element only in the breaks your results will be very different to something that is a full on expo all the time mm. or something that, that a very large event which has some convention and some expo stuff but there's no there's nowhere moving everyone backwards and forwards so mm. There is power in the data when you turn it into knowledge. And I think that is the step that we're just on the edge of. And it's up to us as event professionals and and for the PCOs to look at, how can we do this? How can we turn it into something that will be of value to our customers?
0: Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: One of the um, conferences I spoke at in KL, their app went a step further than some of the other events apps that I've seen. Um, they made it possible for people to connect directly through LinkedIn. So the app actually had that LinkedIn plug-in. So we were able to um, bypass those issues around privacy and you could see the delegates' names there and then and, and then you could reach them. Yeah. And so whether you're a fellow delegate, a sponsor or a presenter, it just made that... Uh, capacity to build tribe and kinship that much easier, removing an obstacle. Yeah. So I agree the opt-in, opt-out, but by putting the features in and explaining the benefits to mm. people on how connection and how it can future embed learning so there's deeper ROIs, I think that's yeah. a nice And I think step-
1: also it taps into the tribalization opportunity and, and you know, as speakers... You know, you, you've you got that, would you like my, you know, give me your business card and I'll give you my newsletter. You know, that's just not going to cut it, obviously. Yeah. It's a case no. of, well, if you want my business card, whether it's the old-fashioned one or, or a virtual or electronic, you know, how do I become, you know, what do I get being in your tribe? You know, yeah. what is the value for me to be wanting to invest more of my very precious time hanging out with the tribe? And yeah. I think that's a real key interrelated sort of concept that speakers really need to start thinking about the value after the event, the value in the longevity of being part of that tribe.
2: Yeah, mm. yeah. Taryn, uh, what uh, fabulous highlights, if any, or thoughts or ideas did you get out of the diatribe I mentioned before?
0: <laughs> oh, I made some notes. Um, Golly. I liked the content safari. In fact, I'm presenting on Friday uh to a different audience it's lifestyle tradies yeah and, and I they're lo- not fake I love- tradies
2: because we know fake <laughs> tradies are lots of trouble
0: no but these guys are a great uh, you know they're part of the foundation of this country and i think we need to be supporting our tradies in great ways and angela and andy smith have done a great job in designing this program I'm the daughter of a builder, the wife of a former Sparky. And so I look at this and I go, yeah, how can I help? And and with a speaker, if we can have a suite of programs uh, or a suite of services that we offer that make it possible for us to then know our stuff inside and out, then we can go into those environments like I am on Friday and offer a content safari. So I knew that that's what I was going to do, but I didn't know there was a name for it. So I like it—a content safari. So I'm taking the the tradies on a safari on Friday. Yeah,
1: cool. I have a question then, um, yep. and so just to just to throw a love bomb in, you know, if you say if if the 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 trend is to have this content safari, and so it's about having a range of things on offer for people to work out and create their own experience from it, then as a speaker. How do you set yourself up to be the, the choice when if you if you have so much content on offer that it can con- confuse the the purchasing decision? How do you make well, sure? If, I'm just throwing that love button because I love to hear people's perspective. I'd love to,
0: I'd love to respond to that. Um, one of the things that I've brought with me from my executive experience is that I'm very much a generalist. So I go against the, the trend of being inch wide, mile deep. As a generalist, I work in the leadership space. As a former senior executive, I know that my audience now has to be across a number of different aspects of leadership. So when I designed my suite of how do I help leaders lead, and that's my three words, helping leaders lead, I have designed a Signature 7 program that is reflected then in how I do my social media posting. So every day of the week there's a different aspect of leadership. Um, I use the motorbike as part of my model. So the rear wheel on the bike is spliced into seven segments of a pie. So we need all these elements to drive us forward. That's my belief when I work with my audiences. So every day I'm covering off for at least two hours every day, one specific element of that business model. So when I go to present, I have seven signature keynotes and each of them will have that core element So if I'm booked to deliver a keynote on culture leadership, then culture leadership is what gets the focus, but I'm sowing seeds around the other six elements because there's always more to learn. And it's also then a segue into, uh, say, a sales funnel or an opportunity for people to work with me around executive coaching. If I'm in a workshop situation, such as a smaller group that I'll be with on Friday doing a presentation, I'll draw out what are the needs of the audience. And I've already liaised with the event organiser that we believe there are three key focus areas. So when we're in there, they're my three priorities, but I've got enough flexibility and knowledge of my information that if, if the delegates want us to tap into something else, say around online leadership and how they can build their communication skills to engage with the remote workforce or contractors, and going to dabble into the online leadership space. So it's knowing what you do. So with you, Sally, with your productivity, there'd be productivity across different elements. Mm. Of, so that's enough, eh?
2: One of the other things I would also suggest, Sally, is that the idea of being just a, a professional speaker who does their single keynote is dead. Mm. There are that's very few going, people who yeah. can do that. Yeah. So part of it becomes with the event where now it's like if if, let's say even in a uh maybe not a futuristic safari learning safari but in a current where we have plenaries and breakouts let's say you're doing a breakout and so you're thinking "Hope i've got an audience in the breakout because i don't know until i get there so what you need to be Mm. able to do is pre-marketing so part of that becomes offering the person who's running the the organization do you want me to do a bit of a promo video to get people excited about it Mm. so um so as an example as a host I was hosting an event recently I've just put a link there for a promo video that I did for the host now I've got the facility I've got a green screen that I can pull down here and we do some magic stuff with it and so we were able to set something up with their branding that they sent out to all of the delegates to get them excited about their annual review which they usually have to drag people to in chains so for you it's sort of like and particularly and, and no disrespect to anyone who speaks on leadership but most people go, oh, beauty, a leadership presentation, hooray, you know, because it's been, it's, it's one of those perennials that is loved and flogged to death at the same time. So it's like, how do you stand out? Mm. And part of it is you start before you're on. And it's, you know, mm. if for anyone who's already a mm. member of your tribe, they love you. They think you're awesome. And why wouldn't they? But if you're speaking mm. at an event where no one's ever heard of you before, but just the organizer has, then you've got to give them a chance to get to know you. So why wouldn't you do a promo video that's one to two minutes long? And you can't be too long or they'll tune out. Um, why wouldn't you mm. do something that's short and sweet? And then why wouldn't you do a follow-up video um, that is, hey, thanks so much for coming along. It's been fantastic. Hope you got some great stuff, blah, 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 blah. So yeah. it becomes, as a speaker, it's pre and post-marketing. But what that does for, the again, what we're doing is it's all about the delegates so we're making the professional conference organizers job easy because we're getting the delegates excited before they come on site we've hit twitter going wow i'm really excited i'm going to be up here blah 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 so all of a sudden anyone who's in our twitter audience who is as loves that industry goes oh is there an event on yay i'll register now so mm-hmm. and maybe for me as an mc it's a little bit different because i've been able to host some stuff and get the message out there but I end up, I get followers out of the industry, so next time something's going on, I'll tweet and put some information out there so people get excited about it. So it really is how do we get people fired up before we're on stage? How do we get it so that when, when we get Ooh. there, in the delegate's mind, there is no choice. I will be seeing Sally Foley Lewis come, come hell on. or high water because she is an absolute legend and I love her stuff
1: yeah I think that's a really interesting point point. and I've been in a situation where I actually asked the event organizer would you like me to do a very quick promo video just promoting the event but promoting the session and and really you know encouraging people to turn up because of the value for their own professional development blah 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 and they said oh oh we've never had that before I don't think so and I thought you've never had it before so let's just have a go at it and I did it anyway and sent it to them and said look use it don't use it it's up to you and then Afterwards, though, and I'd already planned to do this, afterwards I actually did a follow-up video that said, look, I'm so glad I got to be there with you. We had some laughs. Thankfully, not too many tears, you know, a bit of a joke around it. Remember that the takeaways were, so I wanted to recap as well and just said, look, I'm here if you have any questions. You know, you've got a great association. I think they're doing fantastic things, blah, blah, blah. But um, I'd planned to do that, but it was as I was coming off the stage and heading towards, you know, the back of the room to be out of the way, the event organiser came straight up after me and she said, we should have used your video. We should have used your video. You know, and I thought, yes, you should have. But anyway, I, said, I well, now, you know, I said, I'm going to do a follow up <laughs> video for you. Said, oh, I, I you
2: love insane. the international law of business, which is that it's easier to get forgiveness than it is to get permission. And so if in that circumstance and what I've done is I've created the video anyway, I've sent it out to my followers anyway on social media um, and I've tagged, you know, if I've had a discussion with them and they're like, no, no, we don't need it. Great. No worries. And I've tagged them in it and then they've ended up using it going, actually, that was quite good because part of it becomes where the professionals we know what works we know where our our industry is going and you know facebook come out recently saying yeah. that by i think it was 2020 they reckon the majority of their content will be video so for mm-hmm. us it is about how do we how do we take advantage of that and put it out there in a format that they like so you know because yeah. coming up it, the technology is going to rule the event space. It's going to uh, – so we need to be part of embracing it. And Taryn's been fantastic with taking photos, putting little comments on it, shooting videos with front and back and doing it on site. And just some of the, the – they're not super advanced. The apps are all there to help us do it, but no one's doing it. Exactly. So um,
0: Yeah. Warren, can I add a couple of things there? Yeah. Uh, I'll – I shared with our Queensland PSA group how I shot a video uh, not long after our PSA convention at QT Resort at Surface Paradise. And I shot this video for a client of mine who I was going to do an in-house training uh, session with. And I knew it was the first of potentially a 12-month retainer program And I didn't know if the client was necessarily the best fit, so I was getting a feel for them as well. I did the video. I edited it all on uh, just iMovie on here. It was brilliant, loved it. Uh, Had the right colour shirt on, so everything was great. What I didn't know was that not only did that gentleman share it with his staff, he also took it to three of his external colleagues who were CEOs and GMs in the education system. And what we think is being used for an internal purpose, our prospective or current mm-hmm. clients are also sharing it. And so it becomes a further step in our sales funnel. And that was a delightful surprise yeah. that was, you know, a bonus to something that I had not considered. I just thought it was doing the right thing. The second part to this is I read a um uh, A blog recently through Facebook and it was a post from a UK event organiser and the very things that uh, we're all talking about today on this lab that we regard as value add, event organisers in the UK are saying, you need to ask your speakers to do this. You need to ask them to devote time to marketing, blah, blah, blah. Now, what we need to be careful of is that if we are setting this up as a value add for ourselves and then the market begins to look at this as the norm, if we still want to be um, cutting-edge presenters, we need to look at how can we systemize this sort of value add so that we've got support there that it doesn't become bigger than delivering value on the day. So if we can set Mm -hmm. up the routines and the practices and bring on some virtual staff that can help us, even with the video editing or the content curation, if we can use systems where, uh, even ahead of conferences, we already have the templates on our smartphone. We're using tools like Buffer or Meet Edgar to send stuff out on a um, um, what is it? A not an autoresponder, but on a. We just need to sort of buffer the the publishing of content from uh, events and conventions. So there's two things there. Make sure we get the content out um, so that it becomes part of of our reputation. It becomes part of our point of difference. All right. All
2: right. All right. hey, we need to get time because we're we're going to finish in a couple of minutes' time, so I'd just like to get from uh each of you and anyone who's on the line, if you want to put in a comment, join us for the last minute on the seat. What do you think in the and I'm not talking let's look into the future where everybody's virtual and we do mind melds, but in the next couple of years, what do you think is the some of the leading edge or some of the exciting things? That will be happening in the event industry. And let's keep the focus on how do we make it better for the delegate? So it's not about the speaker, but from the delegate's perspective, what are some of the things that you think uh, we're gonna to need to deal with to make the delegate experience far better? Sally, you can go first.
1: Don't, oh, oh <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking whatever the delegates say they want uh, is what so you, we should I be reckon, delivering. I know that's so
2: there's a challenge oh, there. Yeah. Because if you had asked people yeah. 10 years ago, um, tell me what you want in in a phone, they go, I just want to make a phone. Would we have created the iPhone? So it's exactly. like we want to know what they want, but we've also got to know what do they need, which are two different things. But anyway, please continue.
1: And create the need. And we need to create a need or create a want. And so, you know, I think it's about the, the speed to insight and the speed to um, – you know, making making the – there's this thing around having opportunities, I think, and I think that's one of the exciting things around making sure that we are letting people connect to those opportunities and connect to those insights in a far more dynamic way. Now, technology um, – you know the tribalization, I love that con. I love that concept, and I also love that telepresence concept. And I think that that's going to be really big and get bigger and bigger. And as speakers, and we need to know that we're not just talking yeah. to the bodies in the room. And that's something that's really big. And I'm really sorry, but I'm going to have to dump that little very unthought through idea that's and go. Good. So I'm Stella sorry.
2: it has been, but a it's been a great pleasure. We're going to tag team. Hi, over all. to Kerry. Kerry's joining us. Hi, Kerry.
0: Hi, Sally with acknowledging Sally and she's gone already.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Kerry, you've been um, on and off listening to some of this. What do you reckon is going to be happening in the next couple of years? What are the big things you're excited about?
0: I actually couldn't get on at all earlier. So it's just this last little bit that I've I've heard. And uh, I I just love that Sally actually did the video even though the people said, oh, no, we don't know about that. Um, And as I said in the comments, that's something that I've done and I need to actually do that every time make that a process so i really appreciate hearing taryn's comments as well hello taryn nice to see you yeah you too um all three of you guys have just been doing some cool stuff um that i've been seeing on facebook that haven't connected for a while so yeah just good to be in this space again and um next time i will make sure that i'm here the very beginning with my backup technology so um hi russell
2: Hello, how are you? So I'm going to transition over to Russell now. Russell, uh, thanks for joining us from the Eastern Innovation Business Centre for the Mr Innovation himself. So tell me, what, uh, what do you see in the, the future, in the next couple of years? I want to of riff off
3: that idea with the video. So yep. I think those personal videos before a presentation take you off the stage and personalise you too early. Oh. So what I'm thinking is videos after the event.
0: Mm.
3: so rather than people thinking that they know you before they meet you i I think it takes some of your value down i think that it would be better to to leave you up on a stage where they've seen you present potentially from a platform you don't do the pre-video stuff and you actually do post video stuff Mm. anyway that's my thought that's a good thought
2: and i would i would say my humble opinion is that it's going to depend on the role for me as an mc i want them to know me as soon as possible because they're my friends right if you want to be seen as a position of authority then maybe you don't want to get too close um it depends it depends on your purpose if you're selling from the stage i would want to be out there well before the event to try and start that relationship because they're more likely to buy from a friend than someone who's just up there perceived as flogging their stuff so
3: yeah, but I think if you're selling an idea, if you actually become friends with them a little bit too early, then they feel that they can argue with that point rather than actually you getting the expertise and authority up there first. Yeah, and then having the discussion afterwards. And you see a lot of people in film doing this now. Yeah. So after a television show or a film has been put out there, they'll then do a like a an online meetup with the fans to discuss what they what they thought of uh, the 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 episode and. And what you know, some of the behind the scenes uh, conversations about that, but yep. um, anyway, that's just my perspective. There are, there are four perspectives here, and there was one before, but Sally's gone by Sally. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: Taryn, yeah. just quickly, what do you reckon is up and coming for us? Uh,
0: we really need to be entrepreneurs, not just speakers. We really need to be savvy, and, and yeah. with that, there is the responsibility to research and look yeah. at data and big trends and to learn from resources such as you've shared today and lab, Warwick, kudos to you for hosting it. I love it, coming together as part of the tribe, also just learning new ideas. Yep. So there's a few things that, and there's a few things that I'm looking at um, and they include uh, ensuring that the experience is made easy to connect. I, uh, I see a positioning of myself is very much um, connection as opposed to exclusivity. So I'm, I'm very comfortable in putting a video out to prospective clients or event organizers, but I wanna make sure it's on brand. So yeah. I would say be very clear with your entrepreneurial identity if you are a speaker, so that when you're engaging with uh, the end user or the middleman, whether it's a PCO or a decision maker in a company, That you are reflecting your brand and your values in everything that you do, whether it's then developing an app. So I'm looking at that in the next twelve months. That that will become part of my brand. So it's connection made easy. And I'm also looking at the strength of partnerships as a future trend. I'm seeing a lot of uh, very talented experts with great knowledge uh, sharing their wisdom through partnering up more and more.
2: Right. One of the things that I see that will be happening and I think it'll be a perennial is structured networking. I think people go to events for networking and get shit scared on how to do it. They don't know how to do it properly. They think they're being sold to. So I think we're going to have more and more facilitated networking that actually leads people to network um, because people are scared. Of it. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, as I said, this will be on the getmorespeakersuccess.com success.com over the next couple of days been a pleasure to have you here we will meet again next month when we'll talk about something completely different thank you everybody for joining us
0: thank you bye
2: thanks for listening to the get more success show with warwick merry continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com that's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our facebook group that we'd love for you to join Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merriam. Thanks for listening, and we hope you can get more success.